Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 16 Bitchin' Podcast, part of the Retro Refresh team. Not to be confused, though, with the Retro Refresh Podcast itself. That was hosted by Jamie of the Button Bashers. I am your host, Tom Heather, also known across YouTube as Sagahead. And if you don't know me for being Sagahead, good. That means we get a fresh start. No one will know all of the dumb things I've done in the past. So we can have a nice clean slate. Many people would kill for such an opportunity. So what is this? What the hell is the 16 Bitchin' Podcast? Well, first of all, I would like to say that I didn't come up with the name. Tom did. Tom Weston of Do You Nerd came up with the name. 8 Bitchin' was what he came up with, but I kind of like the ring of 16 bitching more, so I thought, fuck it, we'll just twist it around and I'll use that. And I've always wanted to do a podcast. Always wanted to do one, for the longest time. For literally years I've wanted to do it, but I haven't had the guts, uh, I didn't know how I wanted to do it. And all the podcasts that I listen to, and still listen to really, they all regurgitate news, they regurgitate gaming news, and it's just... It's all the same shit. I don't want to do that. I don't want to cover gaming news because everyone does it. I know why people do it. It's because it's the fast track to success. If you're doing the same as everyone else, then, you know, back in the day, standing out would be the thing to make you succeed. Now, no. To succeed, you've got to do the same as everyone else. So, so many people do that shit and... So many people are over-opinionated and like saying what they think about a certain scenario, thinking it's unique and it's it's their take. When half the time it isn't. It's, it's just dull. And I'm done with that kind of crap. So I wanted to have a go and make my own podcast. And today is not really what I would call episode one. I would call this the prototype episode. Meaning, I don't know what I'm doing. But if I call it prototype, then it can make up for all of the fuck-ups that I am destined to make. Destined to make. You see, when it comes to YouTube, I do a lot of editing. I love editing, but it still takes time. And with this podcast, I would like to do minimal editing. So, yeah. <laughs> gonna gonna make a few fuck-ups. But this podcast, I think I figured out how I want it to be structured. I want each one of these to have the same sort of thing going on. We will focus on one retro game. We will check it out, go into detail, give a fair review on it. We will do the same with a modern game. It doesn't have to be a game that's like just been released. I will try to talk about one that's been released very recently, like within a year of whatever episode release. And I would like to go on about an indie game as well. Why an indie game? Well, that's the thing. We are so, so lucky to be around at this time in gaming history. Because indie gamers, they've got it made. They're the ones that are so lucky today. Because if you have an idea of a game you want to make, it is easier than ever to make that idea come true. It, it doesn't always translate well, but it's always interesting. When you look at the AAA games of today... All of them have one thing in common. They're not very imaginative. It's the same shit. Recycled shit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Zelda games. But they're Zelda games. It's It doesn't change a lot. Alright, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. 
that obviously changed a lot. That was very different from every other Zelda game that came before. But when you look at your other games like FIFA and Assassin's Creed and all that shit, it's, it's the same stuff. It's the same damn thing every single time. But when you look at indie games, they're all over the place. That does mean there's a lot of crap out there. But it also means there's a lot of good stuff, a lot of gold. And I want to focus on that as well. So I want each one of these podcasts to focus on a retro game, a modern game, and an indie game. And go into it. And maybe down the line I could even interview other YouTubers. I don't know how I would go about doing that. Because, as I say, this is the prototype episode. I may never even attempt this again. It may be born here and it may fucking die here. You know. This is something that I will get my friends to listen to. Well, I'll ask them. I won't be able to get them to do it. They might say, yeah, I'll do it. And then they never do. Because friends are great. Yes, Mike. I'm talking to you, wanker. And you may have noticed that this is a bit of a explicit content kind of podcast. There is swearing, in case you haven't noticed already. If you haven't noticed, then you're not listening. In which case, just keep not listening and have it play. And then, I don't know, like it and stuff. Share with friends, maybe. Worth a try fuck knows what I'm going on about. Anyway, that's the introduction. That is the description of each podcast and what I hope this could be. And yet again, 16 bitching. Don't don't go thinking every game I talk about is going to be 16 bit. It's just a name I really liked. My friend Tom came up with it as I said, so I'm stealing it. I I mean, I would have I would have asked him, but I didn't. So yeah, Without further ado, we shall go on to the first in the list. So I reckon it'd be more fair to go modern game, then retro game, then indie. So the first one's the modern game. Also, all of these are games that I've played. You know, I'm I'm not ever going to talk about a game that I haven't played myself, that I haven't had first-hand experience with, because that would be hollow and stupid. So I don't know why anyone would do that, but I'm not going to. And today we're going to talk about Pokemon Shining Pearl. Now... I have Shining Pearl. I'm playing Shining Pearl. I played the original Pearl version back when it first came out in DS. Uh, I liked it when it first came out. Well, you know, I like it, but it had a lot of things that bugged the crap out of me. Like, for one thing, the main character's hat, if you've not paid attention to it, is a flat cap, which is the dumbest looking hat you can get if you're not a farmer. In Shining Pearl, you don't start with a hat. You start without it. It's like, oh, brilliant. I haven't got to wear the fucking thing. And then you get forced into wearing it. Because this is a modern game, you think oh, there must be a way to turn that off, to go back to what I had before. Can I take hat off? Can I unequip hat? No. Now, there actually is a part later on in the game when you can change your hat. In fact, you can change your entire outfit. But the problem is, it's not all that great. The selection of outfits is kind of rubbish. I mean, I've just settled for the cheapest one, which is literally a hoodie with a Pikachu silhouette icon on it. That's the least crappy of the lot. Normally, with games like this, when you've got the ability to customize something, the most expensive item is normally the coolest. Whereas in this, the leather jacket option really isn't what you think it would be. In fact, it's kind of crap. In previous games, if you could get a leather jacket option, it looked pretty cool. And you know what the sad thing is? In Pokemon X and Y, 
right? The 3DS games. The ability to customize your character, all the costume bits and all that stuff you could get. That was really cool. You could even change the color of your hair, the style of your hair, the color of your eyes. There was so much you could do. There was so much cool stuff. You do not get that in Diamond and Pearl. It is really rubbish. I at first thought, oh, I see. Maybe the selection of things you can get changes each day. But it doesn't. It's the same thing every day. Maybe we'll be able to download stuff down the line with mystery gifts or codes or some of that crap. But the stuff you get with the game right now as I'm recording this, it's very limited and it's very crap. So, yeah, plus side is you do eventually get rid of that stupid flat cap. The downside is most of the outfits you can get have a different kind of flat cap. I don't want a fucking flat cap. It looks stupid. <laughs> it's really dumb. One of the reasons why I went for the hoodie design is because he's not wearing any bloody hat. Also, something else they did better in previous Pokemon game was having your Pokemon follow you. In previous games, the Pokemon has always followed you really closely. They never got lost. They were never too slow and couldn't keep up with you. In this, oh my god, they keep disappearing and reappearing with a Pokeball sound effect, kind of making up an excuse of, oh, they're going into the Pokeball and they're reappearing here next to you. No, I can outrun fucking every Pokemon I have. I can outrun Mew. Mew floats. It levitates. It flies. How am I fucking outrunning it? That wouldn't have happened in a previous game. It's a really shitty thing that I hope they fix. But I know they won't. Anyway, with Shining Pearl... Let's just get straight into one thing. Is this game good? Is it fun? Well, I'm still playing it. So it's kept my attention. And you know, a lot of people have pointed out, especially like uh, before the game was released in trailers and when they were checking all that crap out before the game's release, it was very mixed as to whether people liked the chibi aspect and the design of the characters. If you don't know what the word chibi is, it's basically a sort of anime cartoon style, but with very tiny bodies with big heads. Imagine playing an old school PS1 game and you put in a cheat code for big head mode. That's essentially what chibi is. I like it in this game. In Shining Pearl, I think it looks really nice. And the funny thing is, when you go into a Pokemon battle, the chibi mode is gone. It's gone back to a normal standard mode where everyone's proportions are correct the head is a normal size and shape to that the body well as far as anime goes you know some of the women look luxurious and some of the men look ridiculous but whatever i don't actually like the battle mode in terms of the appearance because it's just the same thing again if you've played pokemon x or you play Pokemon Omega Ruby, or whatever the fuck it's called. Or you play Pokemon Sun. My god, I could waffle on about Sun and why I hate that. But if you've played any of them games, or Sword and Shield as well, or Let's Go Eevee, oh my god, it goes on. The list goes on. It's all the same thing. The appearance in battle mode improves graphically slightly, but it's Pokemon, so it doesn't exactly get realistic. It doesn't get to a point where it looks like Detective Pikachu, the movie, not the game. Stay with me. I just think, you know, in Shining Pearl, throughout the game, in terms of the gameplay, when you're in chibi mode, 
It's new. It's different. I like it. I really do. Then you get to the battle mode, and it's just like, ah, more of the same. There's nothing new here. It's the same crap. Which is really unfortunate, because Shining Pearl, and of course Brilliant Diamond, was not, right? was not developed by Game Freak. Game Freak had developed all of the Pokemon games, I believe. Um, there might be the odd spin-off, maybe like a puzzle game or some bollocks. It's a maybe. But maybe some of them spin-off games weren't des- uh, developed by Game Freak. But in terms of a main Pokemon game, like what they would call a generation... The main Pokemon Generation games has always been Game Freak, and this time it isn't. How mad is that? So you would think that that would mean, because it's someone else making it, it would have new aspects, something more, I don't know, imaginative, free to it, because other people got to piss around and make it. But no, not really, aside from the chibi style, it's very organized tightly to how Game Freak would have it. So I think Game Freak had their hand in the pot or whatever you call it, and they were directing how things should look and sound and play. So it didn't really venture off into something new and exciting. And it's a real shame, in my opinion. It could have gone a lot further. It could have become something new and awesome. But maybe... Maybe with next year's game, Pokemon Legends Arceus, maybe then we'll have the Pokemon forward slash Skyrim game that all of us Pokemon fans have always wanted. Maybe we'll get that then. Or maybe not. Who knows? And that, as they say, is that. Except that it isn't because I've got a lot more that I want to cover. One really cool feature that has been... It's been around in previous Pokemon games. Uh, it was in Sword and Shield, for example. If you have... A saved game data on your Switch from a previous Pokemon game, you get a free Pokemon. If you talk to some certain fucker in the game, but irrelevant. If you have a saved game of Let's Go Pikachu... Start again. If you have saved game of Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee, right? you can get a Mew. A fucking Mew. One of the original Pokemon. I love Mew. Mew is very cool. Also, if you have... As I twat the microphone, well done me. If you have a save file on your Switch of Sword or Shield, then you can get a Jirachi. What is a Jirachi? Well, it's kind of like Mew in the fact it's the small fetus teddy bear, cuddly, cutesy little Pokemon that's psychic and powerful as fuck. It's one of them kind of Pokemon. I think originally... You could only get this Pokemon, Jirachi, I mean, by playing Pokemon Channel on the GameCube. Then you complete it, or you get so far, whatever, by watching the Pichu Brothers bullshit cartoon. And then you plug in your Pokemon Ruby into a Game Boy and Cable, and then it gives you Jirachi. I'm pretty sure that was the only way to get a Jirachi for the longest time. Until maybe it was given away via... What do they call it? Mystery gifts? Yeah, mystery gifts. So, now you can get Jirachi again. Mew. They gave Mew away on uh, Pokemon X and Omega Ruby. As a mystery gift, I guess. I don't know. It was a code. But they've done Mew a few times before. Jirachi, 
I don't think so. I think this is the first time, at least in a while. According to the public, this game is actually doing very well. Across the board, its average reviews appear to be 8 out of 10. Game Informer gave it that. IGN gave it that. Um, Nintendo Life gave it a 6 out of 10. That's not very good, is it? Nintendo World Report, I've never fucking heard of them, 8.5 out of 10. But never any higher than that. So I guess what I'm basically saying is the game is fun, but it's limited. It's it's not groundbreaking enough like we hope for. It's just it's the same fucking thing again, which is a bit disappointing. I wanted more out of it. But there is this uh, underground cave system. That is the most fun there is. And I think I'm right in saying that that's new. I definitely don't remember that from the old DS version. When it comes to music, it's it's the same shit that we've had for years with Pokemon. It's upbeat and cheerful, but if you're like me and a bit of a miserable bugger, it can just piss you off so much after a while. It's like, yes, it's cheery. I'm in a wonderful, colourful, family-friendly world. Shut the fuck up and play some Napalm Death. Anyway, I feel like I've gone on long enough about this topic. Remember, this is the prototype episode, so I don't know how long I should waffle on about one particular topic. So I'm going to end it here and just... Be fair, do I think Shining Pearl or Brilliant Diamond are worth getting? If you're a diehard Pokemon fan and you feel the need to have this in your collection, yes, it is a fun game, you will enjoy it. I definitely think it's been more fun than Mystery Dungeon or fucking Snap, the remake. I can't believe I bought that. I'm a twat. I actually thought it would be more fun. Oh no, I'm waffling about that. Run away, Tom. Leave that one for another day, maybe. Fucking hell. But, <laughs> Jesus. I have no idea what I'm doing. I am well out of my element. Should you get Shining Pearl, Brilliant Diamond? If you're not a Pokemon collector fan, I would say no. I would say get Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee. They are a little bit easier in some ways. But there's more you can do with your actual Pokemon. Um, it's a remake of Red version. Or remake of Yellow, however you want to look at that. It's the same fucking thing. That would be a better deal for you, so I would go that way. Anyway, that is the modern game, and we have covered it. Now we are going on to today's retro game. Now this one is a special game. It holds a very important place in video game history. That game is the first Dragon Quest, or Dragon Warrior, if you're in America. Now, we didn't get this game... In Europe. Why, I don't know. Nintendo really didn't like Europe back in the day. We were not important to them at all. <laughs> we just weren't. We were, we were a blip. We didn't fucking matter. We missed out on so many games. Mainly RPGs, which pisses me off no end. It, I love RPGs. So I was so intrigued to try this one. I could have done it digitally. I could have downloaded it got a remake of it there's remakes um i think there's one on the switch there's definitely one on mobile games um i no i don't want to all right i want it to be authentic i want it to be real so i got hold of a cart for my nes uh my nes is hacked well hacked the lockout chip is broken don't think that counts as hacked does it it's it plays the fucking thing so i have been giving it my all and trying it. Now remember, this was one of the first 
RPGs, true RPGs, to hit consoles. Yes, it's not one of the first RPGs ever. For that, you're looking at Wizardry, um, Ultima, games like that. But when it came to consoles, you had Dragon Warrior, or Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy, obviously, and Fantasy Star. Where does Dragon Warrior fit within them three? Well, you know what? I don't think any of them three can be above the other because they all brought so many important things that would stick around in RPGs for years to come. They're all very important. But that doesn't mean that they're all fun to play now. So let's just focus on this one. Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior. Is it still fun to play? Is it a good game to play? Could I give it to my son, for example, and say, there you are, have a go at that? Could I? Well, my kid, my son Kane, has, uh, they say he has autism. I say he's on the fucking line of it because sometimes he's a complete derp. He is a derp salad. But other times he'll say things that are so intelligent and clever beyond his years, you think, yeah, you must be fucking artistic. But he loves old school RPGs where you can just do all the, the training, the grinding. I hate that word. But just building up levels and becoming more powerful with your team. He loves that. So this game's the ultimate test of that because out of the original games that we just mentioned, Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy, Fantasy Star, this is the one with the most training the most grinding by far it's got an insane amount of it the game is 90 percent that and you've only got one bloke in the other two games you get teams you get various characters you can control you always have a main character well no that's not true final fantasy you don't but it feels like you do fancy style you definitely do you get alice here you get the one guy that's it one guy if he dies you fucked it you fucked it royally. One thing I hate is you can't save anywhere. You would think, oh, it's an old game. You don't always get to do that. It's, it's true. But to save, you've got to go back to the start. You've got to go back to the start, talk to the king, and he will save it. And every time you restart your game, turn it on, load your game, as it were, you're there again with the king. You go back to this fucker so many times. It's... It's annoying. It's really annoying. It, it's one of the things that makes the game not age very well. It is not a good feature. It's an annoying one, and I fucking hate it. But I digress. Is the game fun to play still? Yeah. But it's still not aged very well. I put it on every so often and do a few matches and all that. It takes... An insane amount of time to level up. Like, I've been uh, battling and running around and battling for... Oh, let's see. If we tally it all up, it's probably like 12 hours. And I'm probably the same in levels. I think I'm like level 12 or some shit. And it's just that. It's piss poor, isn't it? I'm nowhere in the game. I'm fucking nowhere. It's mad to think like that. I am nowhere in the game. And that sucks on so many levels. Let's talk about some other features about it, though. What else is there? Now, you may not have understood what I meant when I said Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior. Well, it was called Dragon Warrior in America, but it was called Dragon Quest in Japan. But the differences didn't just end there. There are graphical differences between the Japanese Famicom Dragon Quest to the American Dragon Warrior NES game. Graphically, the Famicom one 
looks a bit worse. I think the Famicom one came out first, and when they decided to put it out in America, they revised the graphics. They just smartened it up a little bit. And it shows. It's a really good thing. But, oh my god, I don't care about that. Because there's one thing I will always say. Graphics do not make a good game. They are not all that important. If there was a fucking, I don't know, chart of importance to factors and things that make a video game great, at the very top you would have fun factor. Then gameplay, you know. Near the bottom, graphics. Your graphics can be shite, but it doesn't matter if the game's fun. Good example, Adventure on Atari 2600. Still a fantastic game. Really is. You're a square, mate. You're a fucking square. Is that graphically good? No! It's shit! Even then, it was kind of shit when it came out. I'm a square. Well. But I always think that's a very good example as how graphics don't matter. So, for the Dragon Quest to Dragon Warrior graphic change, I don't care. If I were to change anything in this fucking game... Let me put it this way, in case you've never played it. <sighs> Final Fantasy on the NES. See a staircase, yeah? What'd you do? How, how, do you, how do you do staircase? How do you staircase? Well, I'll tell you. You walk up to the fucking thing, and you will go up a floor or down a floor. Yeah? Staircase. Piece of piss. How do you do a staircase in Dragon Warrior? <sighs> you go over to it. You stand on it. You bring up your menu, you scroll down, you select stairs. Congratulations, you've gone up or down the stairs. Instead of just walking on them! It is terrible. It is so crap. But it's a very early game, so you've got to just remember that, haven't you? Like, okay, so many new things at this time. Some clever fuck out there thought this is a good idea. I would slap that guy. And I would slap him so hard his cheeks would wrap around his face three times. But we just got to accept the fact that this is the thing. But for new people, for young people trying this game for the first time, I think it's going to piss them off. Because this is my first time playing the game. I'm giving it my all. Why is it my first time playing the game? Remember, like I said, it didn't come out here in UK. We didn't get this fucking game. So... You know, we get all these other Dragon Quests, and it looks great, and you think, wow, Dragon Quest uh, 10, that looks so cool. Where was the first one? That's how my mind works. If I see a game, franchise, or series, and then it's like, this and this, 10. Oh, cool, brilliant. Never played the others. Where's the first one? I'll always go looking for the first one. I did it with Final Fantasy back in the day. I got eight first. I know a lot of people got seven first if you live in the UK, but I got eight first. So I wanted to find out what 1 was like, which was great because they re-released it on the PlayStation 1. It wasn't a fantastic version of it, but it was far from shit. So it filled the void, you know. Dragon Warrior? No, we didn't get anything for a long time. And when we did, it, it was just the digital of it. It was kind of like, a, I think the first time we got it available en masse, as it were, was on the Nintendo Wii. Uh, we wear whatever the fuck you call it. So, yeah, they didn't change anything. Mm. I hate the staircase. I really do. But now that I've waffled for long enough, remember, prototype podcast episode, meaning 
I'll iron shit out when I know what's crap and what's not. Is this game fun? Yeah. But if I was to say, like, would I recommend it to anyone? No. The original Final Fantasy. The original Fancy Star. Them I will recommend. This one I wouldn't. Because there's so much training. And there's so many bollocks mechanics like the stairs. The stairs is, like, one of the worst examples. But the save feature is also terrible. I wouldn't recommend this game. It is not crap. It is not great. It is historically important to video games. I know that. I mean, hell, when it came out in Japan, Japan went fucking nuts for it. I think um might not have been the next game in the series, but one of the sequels, uh, Japan just uh, kind of went to a halt on the day of its release because it was released on a weekday. Everyone thought, fuck work, fuck school. Everyone went to the game store and... You know, there's that rumor of the chip shortage, and basically Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest is important. The first game, it is important, but it's not aged very well. It's a bit outdated. That's the difference between retro and outdated. Retro, it's good. It's classic. It's awesome. You still want to play it. Outdated, no, this has not aged well. There are certain things within this game that are tedious and piss me off. And Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior's got a lot of that. So there you are. Now, keeping with how I wanted to do things, now I said I would do things, we're now going on to the indie game. Now, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity, and I'm going to talk about an indie game that I've covered on my YouTube channel because it was donated to me. Now, I won't go into who donated it, but I will say it was the person that created the game. And I will say I had a lot of fun making a silly trailer video for it. But now I can be more detailed and more honest as to how I think that game plays. That game is 8-bit space. You can get this on Steam for, I don't know, like 3 to 4 quid. So it costs nothing. It is, as you can figure out from the title, 8-bit. So graphically, not brilliant. But, but, if you have any nostalgia for ZX Spectrum games, I bet you'll get a bit of a tingle from seeing this one because it's got the same colour palette as what the Spectrum offered. This was done deliberately, of course. The game had the ZX Spectrum in mind during its creation. It's a platformer. You are a little astronaut, fuck. The story is blah, blah, blah. Collect these things to go through these portals... I'm not going to go too much into the story because we haven't in the previous games we've mentioned. It doesn't matter. That's something you can check out for yourself. The game is, as I say, a platformer. Jump from one area to another. But you are in a limited area. As you move across, the screen doesn't move with you. It moves like uh, Zelda, the first Zelda game from the NES. You get to the end of a border, the screen shifts. And the aim of the game is to collect the glowy little dot fragment things you need to get them to unlock the door to leave the level but you also need to collect diamond things throughout the level so that when you have done all the levels in an area you will unlock the final level in that area that will remain locked doesn't matter if you've completed the levels it will remain locked until you get all the crystal things which is a nice little uh how do i put it it's like a you know fetch it game but it makes it more interesting because you're like, I want to progress. I want to get that fucking crystal. I'm not leaving here until I've got that bloody thing. Makes you feel motivated to do it properly. 
Now, there are monsters in this game that look like something shat out of an old arcade game. Uh, they're basic. They're not incredibly imaginative. But because it's 8-bit, what can you do? You know, you've got bouncing slime-looking things. Uh, things with tentacles. Crabby-looking things. Glowy shit. It doesn't get incredibly imaginative. But because it's 8-bit, it's not gonna really now, is it? It's only going to go so far. But the flow of the game is very nice. It's very smooth. It does move very smooth. The jumping, the basic controls of it all. Uh, it, you don't die because of any sort of bullshit factor with the controls. If you die, it's like, ah, fucked up. No, come on, here we go. I'm ready to go. I'm going to go again. You never blame the controls. I'm... Unless you're that kind of person that blames everything but yourself. But me, I'll I'll point out, me being crap first time. It's very fun, this game. You're the little box-headed spaceman, as you can imagine. You can jump stupidly high if you want to get detailed. Let's just say there's a lack of gravity. Or let's just say it's a space game. Get over it. You can fucking jump really high. But there is a good level of skill required to beat this game. In order to get all the glowy dots, you would think, go in a room, jump over there, touch it there, I've got the glowy dot. No, you've got to avoid the enemies, but you've got to watch the pattern. You've got to be very careful as to how these fuckers move. You don't have like a ray gun or any of that bollocks. It's you and your wits. Be careful. Jump around, navigate around. You may even see a crystal, for example, in the corner of a map, but there's no clear way to get there. You might have to go all the way around the entire area and then drop down on top of it. But you wouldn't think that looking at the fucking thing. You'd be like, right, okay, that's in an area where it's absolutely impossible to get to. How do I get there? This is a pain in the ass. It's not a pain in the ass. You're just getting annoyed when you're thinking, how do I, how do I get there? How do I do that? It's only when you go around get it, you're like, oh, yeah, she, that's pretty clever. I like that. I'll tell you what I don't like. There's a few hidden platforms. Ages, absolutely ages I spent on this one level where I thought, I can't make that jump. There's this one jump you have to do. But I couldn't do it. After five minutes, which is an eternity when you're just staring at a fucking thing. After five minutes or staring at it, thinking, okay, think outside the box. This game has been created in a way to make you think a bit harder don't just do what comes naturally and jump how do i get there when a basic jump isn't it so instead of jumping forward i was pissing about i just pressed jump and just jumped up the platform is ahead of me diagonally forward and up you know so jumping up is very wrong when i jumped up i stopped higher up there was an invisible platform on the border where the screen scrolls up so to speak So he hid a platform there, because when you jump off of that one, you're now higher, meaning you can make the distance to the other platform. I was like, oh, you clever dick, I hate you! It's clever, but it's old school clever. Hidden platforms, hidden blocks, hidden secret areas. Back then, if you found one of these things, it felt like a fucking achievement. Nowadays, secret and hidden isn't secret, because internet, and it isn't hidden because you just find it. Shit's so easy to understand and see. It's like, oh, that wall's slightly different colour. Or, hmm, 
that area there looks suspicious. This isn't a case of something's a different colour or looks suspicious. It's a fucking block that you can't see, but you can jump on it. You wouldn't know until you had tried jumping there. Very old school in that approach. Annoying as fuck in some regards, but very fun. So that's 8-bit space. There's not much more to say about it because it is, at heart, a basic game. Simple game. But if you love ZX Spectrum, I reckon you'll get a kick out of this. I really do. It is worth trying. As I say, it's cheap. Four quid, I think, on Steam. There is a physical copy that I nearly forgot to mention. Uh, it's like a cassette with a USB thing that flips out. It's really cool. Uh, you can check out the Sega Head YouTube channel if you want to get a look at the uh, cassette. Or bollocks and just go to Steam and try the game. Check out the game, look at it, see the pictures, see what you think. And that's that. That is the first of 16 bitching. Where we spoke about games that were bitching, and if they weren't great, we were bitching about them. See how the name works? You know now. I left that to the end. See if you can figure it out on your own. I know you did. I know you did. Okay, you didn't. It wasn't very clear. I tried, okay? I tried a thing. Anyway, thank you very much. This is the prototype episode, as I say. It's going to be ironed out. I want to get feedback from people to see what they think. I am definitely in the mood of covering one retro game, one modern game, one indie game, in whatever order I fucking feel like on the day, I guess. I, it hasn't got to be strictly the same order each time. I might get excited and go, no, I'm talking about this one first, because fuck you, I want it. I just don't want to cover gaming news like everyone else. Uh, I would like to get YouTubers as guests sometimes and chat about them with a modern game, an indie game, a retro game. You know, I would like to do that. But right now, this is a test. I may never bring this out. Or maybe I will. I, I don't know. I don't know. I Can you tell the amount of fucking uncertainty coming out of me? There's loads. There's absolutely loads. Also, I don't think I'll ever make the podcast like an hour or so long. There's enough podcasts out there that do that. This is just going to be a nice, short, audible treat if you're stuck at work in a warehouse, shifting stuff and wrapping stuff. Then you realise you've wrapped the wrong thing. Then you're pissed off, so you contact your friends on Marco Polo. That's right, Tom, I'm talking about you. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this. Hopefully see you in what would be the official part one, since I'm not calling this part one. Fuck it. Bye-bye.